How's it going? Welcome to the live stream. Hope everyone's having a great day and happy Easter to everyone. <laughs> yeah, man. Springtime, springtime. Gotta love the warm weather. Don't really like all the green and pollen that's everywhere, but you gotta take the good with the bad. Love warm weather. Warm weather is where it's at. <laughs> if you're watching the repost, make sure to leave a comment and all that good stuff. Let us know if you have any ideas or questions about knife making, about your passions, or let us know what your passion is and what you've done to develop it, or if you're in the stages of starting to develop it. Billy Martin, what's up? How's it going? Happy Easter. <laughs> I'm not as prepared as I should be this week. Uh, I don't have many topics. Just like yesterday, sorry about yesterday, I didn't get a video uploaded. I actually came down here. I had all my camera gear and everything ready to set up. And then I made the mistake of messing with the heat treat oven. Fell into that hole big time. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you saw in the stories, I got it to go up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit in two minutes. That's pretty extreme, actually. I had to do some adjusting. Stuff from Amazon never came, so I had to call them and get a refund from Amazon, reorder everything. I never got all the switches and stuff like that. If you watch the heat treat oven build, I never got all that stuff put in. I don't know if it's the heat treat oven was too small or the coils were too big, but all of a sudden, one of the sides started giving away. Hey, what's up, SLG Foxy? Haven't seen you for a while. Hope everything's going good. <laughs> I fired up the small oven. If you guys have watched that build, hey, what's up, Rhino54? Happy Easter to you, too. SLG Foxy, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? How have you been? It's been three or four weeks now, huh? I fired this oven up. I think the elements are too big. See, when I built my first oven, the big oven, I didn't know what I was doing, so I made sure everything was proper and everything was built right. And I built the chassis first and then built the bricks into the chassis, went from there and went there. In the second build, I think I just got too complacent or I just wanted to experiment too much so I didn't build a chassis for it. I fired it up, I got up to 1500, two minutes, 1500. Put an amp meter on, amperage meter or whatever you call it, and it was drawing 30 amps. My big oven draws like 17 amps. I had to buy a resistor. There's gonna be another video or another finale video for that build. <laughs> Because I definitely, I ordered some metal for it and I have to build a chassis. It's funny, when you think you know what you're doing or you've done something once at a success, you go to build it again and you miss a lot of steps because you're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to worry about this. I've got it all taken care of. And you leave out a lot of steps. Hey, what's up? What's up, bootleg blades? How's it going? I saw you got your anvil and your anvil stuff set up. It's looking good. Looking real good. Can't wait to see what you forge with that. <laughs> you got the burner all going and everything. Everything's getting good and ready and all set up. SLG Foxy says, done a lot of work. No time for something else. Yeah, I hear that. Sometimes you just get all caught up in work. Then by the time you want to do something else, you get home, you're too tired to get anything else done. I get this oven fired up, and all of a sudden, I guess because when the, the elements expanded, they probably pushed out. 
I noticed like the one wall was starting to come apart. Like, oh, I gotta start fixing that. So I go to fix that wall. As I'm pulling on it to fix it, all of a sudden the back wall comes undone. Before I know it, like the whole thing is in pieces and it's like, oh, it's not the refractory cement that gave. It's because the soft bricks, so they, they tend to flake apart and they're easy to crumble and all that. I'm sitting here with an oven that's completely in shambles. The elements are holding it all together and all that stuff. <laughs> Bootleg blades. The stump turned out cool and now he needs to make a knife at some point. Yeah. One day I'll try to do some forging too. I don't know when that'll be. I don't even have an anvil. I guess I can set up that propane forge. If you watched that 01 video where I failed to heat treat the 01 outside, now that I got all the bricks off of my big oven that I replaced, I'm going to go outside and make me a ghetto forge with a, one of those big old uh, the rooftop burners. The same burner I used in the 01 video, but I'm going to make myself a ghetto forge with just bricks and then set it in there and try heat treating like that. I was thinking a long time ago, maybe I'll just buy a big old block of steel. You buy like, like two inches by two inches by four inches and maybe just weld, make my own anvil like Alex Steele uses for like beginners. So if you mess up or you shank off the side of it, you're not messing up your new anvil and all that. I've thought about, man, I want to build an anvil and all that stuff. Hey, what's up, Nick Riggy? Happy Easter. I've said happy Easter a few times, but all you newcomers, I hope you're having a great day and happy Easter. It's definitely a good day. Like, I always get these delusions of grandeur in my head. It's like, man, I'd love to have a press or I'd love to have a forge or, or a big anvil and all this. Honestly, I don't think I would use it that much. I'm so into, like, the machining side of things and the stock removal side of stuff and all that and so into making my... What I've got, as perfect as I can get it, or the best I can get it, to have a forge and all that stuff inside, to me, is too dangerous in this house setting. I've got too many things that can catch on fire. I worry, I've got like five fire extinguishers. I got one on the step, I got two or three by the oven, and everywhere in between. I got welding blankets on the floor in case I drop my knife or something. To have a forge down in this basement, plus there's not much ventilation down here. The ventilation, all that, I'd have to have it outside. Now, I've actually thought about building like a canopy or something. Like you see at like a picnic area where it'd just be like four poles in the ground and the thing. But I don't know how the code would be for Fairfax County and all that because they got really strict building laws. I know even like a shed... You can only build it a certain diameter, like 12 by 12. And then it came down to it, it's like, man, if I built all that stuff and set that up outside, would I really go outside all the time and do that? Probably not. Bootlegs Blade says he builds everything possible and looked into building an anvil. Buy one so much more cost effective. See, that's my point, though. Coming down in the shop, you know, is like all my time, and editing is all my time, and playing music is all my time. Would I really take the time to go outside and forge and stuff? It's when you have to step back and do a reality check with yourself. Now, would I buy all these tools and sink all the time into that stuff and just have it sit out there and rust? If you watch that 01 video, 
I actually built a propane burner out of an actual propane tank. I went to Home Depot and bought an empty propane tank. And before I built the oven, I built that. It sat out there and rusted. Now, every time I'd heat treat, I'd go out there. I guess it's laziness. I'm so lazy about it that I built my ovens instead. Because that seemed more efficient to me. And now with two ovens. <laughs> back to what I was saying. That little oven, 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit in two minutes. Drawing 30 amps. The circuit breaker on the wall is actually a 30 amp breaker. So I'm surprised that didn't blow. And the whole reason I broke out the amp meter and all that is the oven would get to about a thousand degrees and that circuit breaker I put in the electronics in the box would pop. And I was like, oh, is this a bad breaker? Because honestly, I thought those ovens threw about 10 amps. I didn't know my big oven threw 17 amps. The little oven drives 30 amps. It's like, good Lord. And I wanted to run them both at the same time. I'm going to have to put a resistor in there. If you guys don't know electronics, basically wattage depends on your voltage divided by your resistance. I think those small coils on the small oven are about 8 ohms. So I got a 5 ohm resistor, which I'm going to put in there, which should bring it down. should be under, hopefully, 20 watts with that oven. should slow it down something. Slow it down just enough. I fall into that hole. I'm really glad that circuit breaker was working because if it never popped, I would have never broken out my amp meter and I would have never known 30 amps. That's crazy. All the Amazon stuff came, but now since my oven fell apart, here I'll show it to you what it looks like. Let's see. Is it this one? See, I had to put it all back together. I got it all clamped down and all that. Like I said, it wasn't the refractory cement, it was the bricks. They gave a little bit, and then you're trying to fix one part, and then the other part comes apart. It was just all in pieces. I ordered some metal, which should be here Tuesday. I guess that will be the final part of the build, <laughs> which will be the first video in the playlist being like, don't make my mistake, build the chassis first. I actually got some kale wool for it. What I plan on doing is building the platform at the bottom. Well, I'll probably make it an inch bigger. And then I'll put struts at the bottom where the base is to hold the bottom in. And then I'll put the kale wool on the top, secure it all in. That way, if it does leak some heat from the other parts, because that's the thing, it got up to 1,500 degrees, and I could see the orange coming out from the roof not being on secure and the, everything was open and it still got up to 1500 degrees in two minutes. Like, whoo, that was pretty crazy. I got a 50 amp breaker, which I'm gonna have the, a friend come over, he's an electrician to put it in the box. See, I know electronics. When it comes to electronics and wiring something in your house, if you don't have someone that knows what they're doing, do it and something goes wrong, you lose all your insurance, pay my friend a hundred bucks or whatever. He'll probably put one breaker in for like 20 bucks. That's one thing if you work in construction, you know people that have worked in the business. <laughs> you know, you go over and build something for them or, or maybe I'll just say, here, which knife do you want? Put a breaker in, I'll give you a knife. That's why I didn't get to get a video up yesterday. Like I said, I actually, Brought all my camera gear in here, and then I was like, oh, let me just mess with this oven a little bit. Everything went wrong. 
But yesterday I did start making a video on the Hamones. I put towels over here so I didn't have to pick it up. Let's see if we can see this. This one is one I finished pretty much. I don't know if we can see the Hamone on that. I got to re-etch it. I etched most of it. And I stone washed it. Let's see. Can't see it. I guess there's too much light in here. Or maybe we can. But I stone washed it. And then I put it up to like... This new thing about grinding to get... To, so I don't have to hand sand. Is I'll go to a really high grit. Like 800 on my cork belts or my scotch Sprite, And then I'll come back down to 200. Because when you go up to a really high grit. It shows you all the places you missed. You go to a high grit, then you go back down to 200 or whatever. You come back up. It's a lot more work than hand sanding. If you don't like hand sanding, it's the solution. Then I polished it up a bit, got it to there, so it's looking real nice. This one and this one have really nice hormones. I'm actually giving away most of the video. <laughs> Wednesday's video, but it's all right. This one has a really nice hormone, but it hasn't been two-toned yet. Where's my light at? Here, let me see something. See if this will work. But this has a really nice stone finish on it. But you can kind of see there. You can see the hormone, like, right there. See the difference between the light and the dark? I'm going to have to do to this what I did to this one. And then I did the karambit. Now... I almost messed this karambit up because it's such a weird grind that when I went to mess with it, I forgot the way I ground it. And I started on the grinder, say like the grinder's here, I started going like this. But that's not how I ground it. I grounded it straight across. I don't know what I was thinking when I was doing that because it's a weird grind. I almost completely messed this one up. This one, if you watch that video where the build for this, on this knife, I ground the bevels after I heat treat it. Because I wanted to do that experiment to see if hormones mattered. If you ground the bevels before heat treat or after, if it mattered. This hormone didn't come in as nice as the other two. So I think it does matter that if you want a really nice hormone, you have to grind your bevels before heat treat. They came out pretty nice. It's getting there. I still got some more work to do on that, but they're both almost to a mirror satin finish. Looking good, looking good. <laughs> At least I got that video for like probably Tuesday because I'll have to come down tomorrow and I want to do a coffee etch. I know two of them have really nice hormones because I see a lot of guys doing Damascus and they use coffee. Like Niels Vandenberg and I think Alex Steele does it too. Alex Steele and Niels Vandenberg, I've seen them both do coffee etches. I reached out to Niels Vandenberg, and he says he fair chlorides before he does the coffee etch. I don't know if it's the nickel in the Damascus that makes it pop or whatever, but that's why I wanted to experiment with the hormones. And like I talked about a few weeks ago, everyone's drinking coffee online and on YouTube. It's like the big new trend is coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I never have liked coffee. Peter McKinnon talks about the Wayne Gretzky, which is nine sugars and nine creams. That's not even enough for me if I drink coffee. I want to make some coffee and, and do some slow motion 
coffee making. I even bought like a Chemex for it and all that stuff. That should be a fun video. It'll be nice to see how these hormones come out if, if coffee actually makes a difference with them. Something funny dawned on me the other day. I'm always saying, like, damn that Murphy's Law. When bad stuff happens or I'm trying to do something and all of a sudden something goes off, I'm always like, damn that Murphy's Law. And it reminded me, what, how old was I? I guess I was like 27 or something. I guess it was like 1998. I was like really into hardcore music, punk bands, hardcore music and all this. Me and my girlfriend at the time had just kind of, we were always like on and off. I blame myself because I'm a very erratic thinking person off the wall, so I'm sure being in a relationship with me is a very hard thing to handle. We were kind of on a break. I think it was like the Super Bowl weekend. It was like a, a hardcore Super Bowl thing. There was this band called Murphy's Law, and I think they're from New York. It was like me, my other friend, and five girls with us. And we're all there. So this dude comes up and starts hitting on my ex-girlfriend at the time. It didn't bother me or nothing. I'm just like, whatever. My friend's girlfriend was bothered by this. And she goes up and she starts like interfering in it. And the dude starts hitting on her. Then my friend is like, oh man. And he gets up in the dude's face. So then I get up there to like back up my friend. All hell breaks loose. And this is a club we went to like every week like two three times a week so we knew everyone in the club but it turns out this guy that was hitting on the girls was the lead singer for murphy's law so all of a sudden like five guys picked me up and dragged me out my friend gets dragged off man the whole place is just going crazy you gotta remember this is like a hardcore slam dancing moshing kind of environment everyone's just like adrenaline's flowing the whole male ego Everyone's got to beat each other up. Mentality is going on. <laughs> We're with, what, three or four? I guess it was five of us. There was three other girls. Or was it four other girls? No, it was four other girls. So it was six of us. Anyway, the whole place is going crazy. Since they were in Murphy's Law, they didn't get kicked out. Since everyone in the club that ran the place knew us, we didn't get kicked out. Everyone's coming up to me. In fact, there are like two or three people that worked at this club were guys that I went to school with since 7th or 8th grade. And they're all like, man, what happened? Who was that dude? Oh, it's going crazy. About half an hour later, we're like, man, let's just get out of here. We go to walk out the door, and outside is like the whole band, Murphy's Law, and like all their little groupies. So there's like 50 people waiting for us to walk out the door. And it's like... This is not good. This is a D.C. club in the middle of D.C., right on the edge of uh, Southeast, which if if any of you guys are like old enough to remember when like D.C. was the murder capital, like Anacostia, this is like right on the edge of Anacostia. If you walk out to the club, it's okay. But if you go two blocks this way or two blocks that way, you're in it deep. But luckily, there's cops at these clubs and we actually had to go up to the comments like, look, uh, it's me and my friend and four girls, and we got to get to our car. Is there any way you can help us? <laughs> so, yeah, man, the cop had to walk us to the car, and that was a rough night. We made it. I didn't think we would. I had some bad stuff happen down in that spot. 
Anyway, I digress. <laughs> that was just a funny story because working on this oven and stuff, and I remember saying, damn, Murphy's Law, and it just made me think of that story. When you're in your 20s, man, you think you're indestructible, and you think you can take on the world until you walk out and see 50 people waiting for you. <laughs> then you realize you're not that big, which is funny because... If you make videos and stuff like that, the best thing you got to do is watch them back before you upload them, because sometimes they need corrected, and I think I've talked about this before. It's just best to make sure, sometimes I'll even watch my video two or three times, and then upload it. But even in like that last wiring video, it's like, I noticed little things, like I'll make up words and not even, I guess I'm so involved in what I'm trying to explain that I don't realize I'm saying words wrong or making up words. It's like, the thing is, it's not bad enough. Like the flow of the sentence is good enough that you know what I'm saying. These little things I catch and it's like, what? where did you get that word from? Where, it's like, sometimes it just cracks me up. Something like that is something you can really go back and fix. It's, I mean, I guess I could pull out a microphone and voice over that part or something, but... <laughs> Boo Lake Blade said, Badass story. Have one or 20 kind of like it. Yeah, I've got a lot like it. When you get older, you look back and it's like, man, <laughs> I was crazy to think that I could get away with that. Tell you what, growing up in D.C., it's an interesting place to live. <laughs> And the funny part is now, if I have to drive through D.C., the place that used to be ghetto is now all hipster. Man, there were spots that were like run down, beaten out, burned out, guys on the corner slinging and all that stuff. Now you go through there, it's like Best Buy and high-rise economy, condos, all these white people walking through with their dogs. This is a whole different place. That statement, there was white people before, but it's a whole different outlook. I walk those streets all the time. I'm a white guy, but I don't look like a yuppie conservative dude with a little white dog or something. That statement wasn't a black and white statement. That was more of a hipster versus a grungy white dude statement. <laughs> and that's the thing. When you're a teenager, you grow up thinking, oh, man, I... I I relate to these people more, or I relate to this thing, and you go hang out there more, because that's, that was kind of my people. If I would go hang out with the jocks, or I'd go hang out with whatever you want to call them, my family, I'm like the black sheep of my family, my stepbrother and all that, or my half-brother, I should say, not my stepbrother, my half-brother and his kids, I'm not even allowed really around them. Because I'm the black sheep. I'm the mess up. I'm the high school dropout. Walking to jobs making 40000 a year starting out. They're all high class executive types. And In fact, I've even said about most of my family, it's like if, you, if I wasn't your blood, you would probably spit on me as I walked by. Well, let's get off that topic. That's depressing. Today's Easter. Let's keep it happy. <laughs> That, that's a dark road to walk down. <laughs> I had this debate with uh, do-it-yourself easy crafts. I did a 
I collab with him, what, probably four or five months ago. But the whole thing was about uh, mystery steel and using leaf springs and all that. I don't forge, so I'm not really an expert on talking about it. But from what I've read from a lot of people, I made a statement. I forget what someone, a lot of people think leaf springs are a good steel to start with. And I made the statement, I was like, well, leaf spring is 5160, which honestly, I don't think 5160 is a really good steel to start with as a beginner maker. It air hardens, or it gets harder in air. I made that, that's where I got the whole air hardening mistake thing. It's just not a good steel to work with because now it is easy to get and go to your junkyard and all that stuff and get it. And so, yes, if it's the only steel you can get, then by all means, it's a good steel to work with. But if you could take 20 or 30 bucks and buy yourself a thing of 1084 as a beginner knife maker, that's the best steel to get. Plus, you know what you're getting. And that's when this guy was like, uh, leaf springs aren't 5160 anymore. And in fact, a lot of times they're a, a less reliable alloy and you never know what you're getting these days when it comes to leaf springs and i went into this big discussion with the guy from do-it-yourself easy crafts it came down to another guy started chiming in and and i guess the guy dan dan berg's his name and he's like i started out with uh using automotive spring steel and all that stuff and it worked fine and i was like yeah but how did you test it because from what i understand with when you're using leaf springs, a lot of times they'll have micro-fractures and a lot of stuff. Which, if you're forging, I'm sure is no problem. But, I, I guess, if you're going to use that kind of steel, the best thing I would suggest is cutting a little piece and make sure it heat treats properly and how to heat treat it. Like the guy from Cat's Cradle Forge, he's been having all kinds of problems with heat treating because he didn't really know what kind of steel he was using. So this other guy chimed in and he's like, any steel, any leaf springs made before 1980 are 5160. Like his point of, yeah, and I forged, so I don't worry about fractures and all that stuff. Donovan is like, 1980, you're talking about steel that's 40 years old. Sat in the junkyard on some car or, or been driven around for who knows how long. You don't know how strong this steel is, how good it is going to have to take off how who knows how much rust corrosion and even he said you got to have to buy a whole bunch more use a lot more abrasives when you're using the steel get it right and it's like so you're going to put all this time all this effort waste all these belts just to save thirty dollars when you can go online and buy a piece of steel it's like from what he's explaining, okay, so you buy a piece of steel that's 40 years old and a junkyard off some car that hopefully is 5160. So now you're going to have to prep it. You're going to spend hours prepping it. You're going to have to sit there and mess with it. And if you don't forge, you might have cracks. You might have all kinds of problems. And Just spend the $30 to get yourself a nice, new, fresh piece of steel. Come on now. I mean, I understand the debate, and I understand, yeah, if you have, it's that fine line where it's like, you don't want to discourage someone from doing something, but you also don't want to encourage them to use something that might come out bad 
which in turn would discourage them even more. Say someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to a junkyard and I'm going to buy this steel and blah, blah, blah. And they try their first knife and all of a sudden there's cracks in the whole knife. Takes hours till they get to the point where they can start making the knife. To me, as a beginner knife maker, I wouldn't want to make another knife again. Whereas if I went online and bought a brand new piece of steel, I knew what it was, I knew what I was in for, bam, I could draw it out, I could forge it out, I could do anything I want, and I know that steel's reliable. I know how to heat treat it, I know how to work it. With spring steel, you might be working it or... Now, like I say, I don't forge, but I've seen guys that have problems when they don't know what they're working with. Even Alex Steele would be trying with spring steel and stuff, and all of a sudden he'd have delamination and all kinds of problems. And that's with stuff you know what you're working with when it comes to forging. Like I say, that's not my experience, so I'm just going by what I've seen guys I rely on talk about. Mystery steel to me, if it's all you have and you want to learn how to make a knife, go for it. Anything to get you working, anything to get you in the shop, involved in this craft, I can back. If you're like, oh, I want my first piece of steel, and you're looking for your first piece of steel, buy it online. Go with something you know. And that was, at the end of it, we kind of both were like, we respect each other's opinions, and it's good to have debates like that, because that way someone new coming into the craft can read this stuff and look at it from both points of view and decide what they want to do. It's been like uh, 35 minutes, and uh, since it's Easter, I think everyone's pretty much with their families, and I hope you guys are having a great day with your families. I think I'm going to cut this short. Like I said, I wasn't as prepared for this for this live stream, and been so caught up in that oven and stuff, and getting back on track. I think I'm going to cut it short today, and I hope everyone watching and watching the repost has a great Easter and a great week. The shirts are up now on my website. This is actually like a tri-blend. I got two types of shirts. There's one for like 18 bucks that's just like a regular t-shirt. And then there's this type, which is like really soft. And it's called like tri-blend. And I think this is like 23 bucks. If you watched the last video I, where I showed the shirt, this uh, logo was higher. So I moved the logo down and all that stuff. These are available on the website now. And my website link is up above or down in the description. I put it down there with the Amazon links. Chip actually asked about, let me see if I can find it without knocking everything over. Chip asked about, oops, as I drop them, about these HRC files. Now, if you do knife making and you do heat treating and all that, you need some good HRC files. He asked me... He, he sent me a link, and he was like, oh, it's $85 too much on Amazon for these files. And I actually found a link to them for 65 bucks. If you go down in, my, in the description, there's links to these for, don't spend the 85 bucks. Get these for 65 These are the ones I use in all my videos where I don't use my big HRC tester. And now that they've fallen all over the floor... <laughs> Jake Makes. Hey, what's up, Jake? I just saw you on uh, LHI uh, production 
video. Yeah, I was checking out your channel. Pretty cool. I dig it. He says, if it's true mystery, then yeah, no, but usually you can figure out mostly how to make it work. Spark test, quench it, see if it hardens, etc. Kind of more fun, more challenge to it. Yeah, see, that's, that's kind of what I was saying. Before, if you do get a piece of steel, make sure you know what you're using if you got to use it. But if you're a beginner and all that, spend 30 bucks, buy brand new steel. But yeah, uh, I just glanced at your channel. I like it, man. Uh, when I get off here, I'm going to go subscribe, man. I dig it. You do. That one knife I saw, it was like a, uh, not a honey knife, but it was like a, it had the handle come around and all that, and it's pretty sweet build. I had to come down here and start the live stream, so I didn't get a chance to really look at your channel. Looks like you're doing some good stuff. You and uh, LHI Productions, man. You guys go check out his channel, or both their channels. LHI Productions, I'll tell you what. You guys look like high school kids. I don't know your age, but I wish when I was that age, I had it. I was into music and stuff like that, but man, if you keep up with knife making and doing the stuff you're doing, man, it's going to be turn out real nice. And these guys do it on 1x30s, which gave me an idea. I might have to break out my old 1x30 and see if I could actually make a knife with one. <laughs> you guys might be like, oh. Well, we're not doing so bad after all. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you all have a great Easter and uh, everything works out. Oh, 18. Hey, Jake makes says he's 18. LHI Production said when I you guys were doing that railroad spike and I talked about the HC on the spikes, the hard carbon. But then he said when you guys quenched it, you don't know if it's hard or not. Take a file, skate a file. I'm sure you guys know that if it skates. But make sure you get the lamination, or not the lamination. Make sure you get the scale off the knife before you test with a file. Because if you skate the file over the scale or the decarb, it can give you a false positive. That's the way to test for hardness, which you guys probably already know. But just in case. Alright. I'm starting to stutter and stammer and all that stuff. Have a great Easter. If you're just here for the live streams, come back, and I'll see you next week. Oh, he says he went in. Like I said, I had to come down here, so I didn't have a chance to uh, finish all that stuff. He said uh, he went in to steal railroad spikes and what they're made of. Like I said, I don't forge, so I've never really messed with railroad spikes and all that stuff. Yeah, thanks for that. I'll go check out that comment after I get off that. So, all right, guys, uh, I should have a video up Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, if you're here just for the live stream, see you next Sunday. Let's all have a good week. That's it for now. As always, take it easy.